Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Welcome back to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Our guest today is leadership coach and consultant, Maureen Falby. Maureen, thank you so, so, so much for joining us. We are so excited to have you with us today. Oh, Katie Beth and Stan, I am as well. Perfect. So before we jump in, I would love it if you would give our listeners just a little bit of background on what it is that you did that kind of led you into and sparked your passion for becoming a leadership coach and consultant. Yeah, I speak about my why all the time, the path to getting here. And it really was, it was pretty focused. I spent almost 30 years in advertising, which I loved. And toward the tail end of my career, I just started to watch those leaders that were doing what they said they were going to do, getting things done, having incredible results. And they were also pretty happy. And they were the people that everybody wanted to work with and for. And I just, I have a whole therapy background. My mom and my sisters are all therapists. So I'm always curious about people and how we move people and persuade people. So I got curious about those leaders that were just crushing it. And I said, I, it's time now for me to help people do that and be that, be that for one another, be that for themselves. And so I get to do this good work all the time to, if I could just summarize it, it's helping people live and work on purpose instead of by accident. I don't think anything good happens accidentally. So we put plans together and we just move stuff that's in the way on their path to greatness. I love that. Talk to us about your individual leadership coaching. Who is that for? Who's your target audience for that and your target client base? And what types of tools and strategies and services do you provide? Oh, those are great questions. We um, So I work with Strong Training and Coaching. And so it's markstrong.com. We love the work that we do. And we are, there are a little bit of our secret sauce is that nearly all of our co executive coaches are also trainers. And so let's say, you know, we work together and you said, I struggle with working with difficult people, or I don't know how to hold my team accountable or whatever it is. We grab that best practice off the shelf that we've been training on, and we can accelerate the growth that much further. One of the tools, I was glad, people don't usually ask about the tools, but I have a great one for all of you. I'm so excited because it's simple. It's going to sound silly, but it's steeped in neuroscience. And you can use this to coach yourselves to move your own things that are in the way of your goals and, and results. And it's uh, so with my clients, I whoop it up all the time. Now, that sounds so silly. It's W-O-O-P. And it's all about how our brain works or doesn't for us. And the first W is what is my wish, right? Do you want to have more million dollar clients? You know, what is that thing that you want? The first O is the outcome, right? So the first, the W is the clarity. The first O is the outcome. What is the ripple effect of that wish coming true? And so you start to think, well, I mean, not only could I have financial independence, but, you know, I, I will be proud and I will have great clients and on and on and on and on. Now your brain's getting engaged because it's starting to see the thing happen, right? So it's attractive. The next O would be crazy not to think about, which are your obstacles. What if anything is in the way of selling more million dollar, having more million dollar clients? 
And it could be external barriers. I don't have enough time. I have 16 children at home, whatever. I don't have time. I don't know how. Or it could be internal barriers. I don't believe in myself. Who am I to have million-dollar clients? And then the P is the plan to move those things. And I obviously, I believe that's best done with another person, an accountability partner, but you can coach yourself. I coach myself all the time. What do I want? What's the benefit of that? What's in the way? And what's my plan? One step at a time to get there. So those are that. Use. Yeah. Whoop it up. I wasn't sure where this is headed headed when you said I whoop it up with my clients. I was I was wonder wondering where that was going. So that is that is great. <laughs> that is great. I love that. Dan, uh, what questions do you have for Maureen? So uh I spent some time wandering around your website, which actually was I would say an inspiration. So I pull up your website and I see right there it opens up with that uh that very Oliver very Oliver quote, which I assume you had something to do with putting there. And I'm going to read what it says. It says, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I think what a terrific way to grab somebody's attention around around the kind of coaching work that you do. That's the point, isn't it, right? You know, how do we take this one amazing life we have and really make the most of it and not just drift from day to day, week to week, year to year, not accomplishing out? Yeah. And Stan, it, it, another D word, which is the dream. We can dream all we want, but the word that I love in that quote is plan. You're going to have a great life if you design it. Otherwise, the time thieves will steal your time. At the end of the week, you'll say, geez, I don't, I don't even know what just happened. Right? It happens by design. So tell me what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. And inherent in that is also accountability. Right? It's doing what we said we were going to do and dream all we want. But the plan, you know, I thought just touring around your website was kind of an education on its own. Any, every listener, I would encourage you just to go, just to go, click the link and just wander around because there's a lot of wisdom just just there. Yeah, you, know, you you put a lot of free stuff up, right? And so, uh, so I want to drill into a couple of those things. W- one question I want to ask is, uh, what what are you know? It, you get hired by a lot of people who would like to have more, who would like to create more order out of the chaos, be more effective. What are some of the obvious big, two or three, like the obvious big mistakes that you see people making repeatedly in your the class that engage you? Yeah. The mistakes that they make in terms of not. Not getting the results they want. What is it? How uh, are they sabotaging yeah. themselves? Yeah. I think most of it, most of it comes from the internal barriers. I don't think we manage ourselves all that well yet. I think it's sort of like that, that, you know, we say, oh, I want to meet Prince Charming and you're hoping he's going to knock on your door. <laughs> there's some work involved. There's some real work involved. And there's even a book that I can recommend. Atomic Habits is so powerful. I feel like be re- from James yeah. Click should be required reading for life. We've got to get into the fact that our brain, you may have this big plan now, but your brain's going to want to conserve energy and it's going to want to move into routines and it's going to want to just do what it did yesterday. And it's going to be scared. And we have to pop that thing, I mean, our brain in the back seat, and we have to wake up and figure out how new habits are built. And we have to do the thing we said we were going to do and follow through no matter what. But there is any time you see a successful person, I guarantee you nothing happened accidentally, right? It's, it, it is hard. That's what makes it amazing, right? When you are uncomfortable, that's right where I want you. People say, I'm scared. Good. Be scared and do it anyway. And so I find all of those things, being scared and doing it anyway, following through on the plan, having worked with, I don't know, thousands of people, it happens when we 
can enroll someone else in our journey as well. I don't think we're meant to do this work alone. But even just by saying out loud to you, if I said to you one of my goals, it already has more power than if I just kept it in my head. I also now, because I said that thing to you, right, or I say what I want, my brain's going to conspire on my behalf and it's going to start to do it. But it does require work and discomfort is the precursor to growth. So one of the things you say on your website, I thought this was really profound to me. You said, fail faster. I sorry, my head. There's so much I want to say about that. Um, yes, <laughs> fail faster. What I mean by that too is sometimes when we say that, people say, "Oh, does that just mean I just keep making mistakes?" No, I don't want you to make the same mistake twice. But we fail long when we're too afraid to look at the mistake that we made when we're trying to cover it up. And so I want us to fail fast by saying more quickly, "That didn't work." I get curious. What can I do better next time? NASA has a great program called a PAL, a Pause and Learn. And they try stuff and then there's no finger pointing and there's no, oh, shit, I'm ashamed, excuse me, oh, shoot, I'm, <laughs> right? They look at it and they say, that thing right. didn't work. I mean, Sarah Blakely, the CEO of Spanx, has oops meetings where they all get together and they say, oh, that didn't work, that didn't work, so that they don't have to have that thing not work a second time. You know, I, I, I was at a conference in Dublin, Ireland a few years ago, the, and one of the key, the featured speakers was the CEO of Pixar. And, you know, of course, you know, Pixar is the creative space, right? They make these movie productions uh, that, you know, ultimately require an enormous amount of creativity and risk, right? Because you don't really know what, what's going to work. This guy said the single biggest problem he had in the whole company uh, perpetually was, was, was getting people to fail. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, he said, you know, my, my team is so afraid of failing, they won't take the risk to do really big creative things. Because of that fear, fear of failure, he said that's the biggest challenge that he had to overcome. I remember that from that. That that was my takeaway from that presentation six or seven years ago. Yeah, I wonder if he's. I'm sure he did, but also talked about the solution. Is that how do we how do we create an environment where people are willing to? I think most of us hold back. I'm making the number up. Twenty five percent. We don't give our whole selves. It's too scary, right? So we keep some back and we do just the right amount. We say my part is finished and things like that. In order to give that last piece, I want work to look like when you watch kids play on a playground, they're going nuts, right? They're just going for it. They don't care if they fall down. They don't look around and say, geez, I hope nobody saw that. Work felt like that. And the only way to do that is through creating psychological safety and systematizing the failure, normalizing the failure, like Sarah Blakely in her Oops Nights. Or they have, I think, at 300 different locations across this country, on F-up nights where leaders will get together like ourselves and they'll talk about where they effed up. We have to normalize it. T- Thomas Edison, he was interviewed after inventing the light bulb and, and the interviewer said, it must have been so embarrassing. You tried it a thousand times before you got it right. And he said, no, the light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps. Each time, like a child that's learning how to walk the first time, you make a mistake, you're making increments and increments and increments in order to stand up straight or invent a light bulb or whatever that goal is. So we've got to take the shame out of failing. You also talk about uh, the coach approach to building teams. Talk about that. Yeah. There's the tell approach. That's how I grew up. So I've, I've been, I was in advertising for many years and we just didn't know any better. So bosses were supposed to know stuff, which also doesn't make it safe to fail. And then they were supposed to tell you stuff. And then you're supposed to go do it. What we're learning is that the best way to get the most out of people is the coach approach to leadership. And what is the difference? It's just a tiny shift that can be hard to do, 
is shifting from telling to asking, right? And sometimes we know we certainly want to give people the tools and the capabilities if they haven't done something for the first time. But if, you know, as a, as a boss person, we're trying to build this team and we can say to everyone on the team, what, a, what approach do you think is best? And all five people on the team have a point of view. You're going to solve problems better. Everyone's going to feel heard and feel like they matter, which, by the way, tends to be super important for people. Things just get better, right? So, yeah, that's what that's about is um, asking versus telling and then really listening, which also can be hard. We're all so busy. So it's listening to what comes out of their mouths when we ask the question as well. Yeah, I noticed you, you you do talk about that on your website too, and I think that's really so true. You know that we spend so much time, you know, like like not really listening, but just waiting to you know jump in to say what we have to say, and not really hearing what you just said. Right? That and and of course, I've never done that myself, as you know, but uh, I, I notice that in others, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your style of work? How do you do this? Are your engagements one-on-one client engagements? Do you do group coaching? What's your what's your practice? Yeah, so strong training and coaching is both, right? So we have a group of coaches that are all twenty plus years of leadership experience, and they, they, we, myself included, do a lot of one on one coaching. We never know how many sessions. I don't know what you need in order to have that W, that wish come true, but it's usually somewhere around ten. And we work one on one. We also definitely do group coaching and team coaching to maximize a team's potential. You throw a bunch of people together, they've got different styles and they work at a different pace. They solve problems differently. You have to create those rules of engagement, almost like a contract up front before you're stepping in it. And then we do training as well. So as I mentioned up front, our coaches, most of our coaches are also trainers. And so we have about a hundred different training modules and we bring those best practices into coaching. And the coaching informs the training in a really cool way, because if I look back at even, I don't know, last week alone, I can see the themes that come up and they change, you know, pre-pandemic, pandemic, post-pandemic, working in a hybrid world is tricky for people right now, can be tricky. And so that might give us an idea for the next training module that we want to create, right? Always in service of helping people. So it's called strong training and coaching, but be strong at work and in life, be their best selves. So do you do most of your work virtually now? Oh, yes, but I love, and I love being in person with people, especially training, being in the room. I'm there to help create safety so people can try new new skill sets. And certainly you can do that virtually. But if I get, when I can be in a room with people, there's an energy that happens together. I can see if someone in the back needs something. So I would say now it's about 75, 25, 75 virtual, 25% in person. And we got real good at the virtual because we had to. Yes, we all went through that that crash divorce and becoming virtual experts overnight just to just to survive during the COVID times. Talk to me about the trends that you've been seeing in your leadership coaching. What are some of the new issues that are coming up that you're having to help your clients tackle? Maybe things in because it's a virtual world. What are some of those current things that you've really seen trending lately? Yeah, lots of requests for how to manage in a hybrid world how to not have proximity bias. It's it's understandable, but not acceptable, that you give special preference and treatment to the people that you see. You're, you've created more safety. Now I'm going to give you feedback. So of course, you're going to get better from that. We can't forget about the person who is working in Arkansas if I'm in New York, right? It needs to be equal time. So we have to, so we help people with the proximity bias. Um, 
what ends up happening when we're not physically together is that humans have this uh, funny way of filling in the blanks with things that just aren't true um, when we're not communicated to and we can't get those visual cues. And so um, some funky things start to happen. So a lot of requests for hybrid, whether it's in one-on-one coaching or in training, they're, they're the evergreen ones, uh, certainly imposter syndrome, figuring out my personal brand. But another timely one that's that's coming up right now is is uh, people from one generation having a strong opinion about people in another generation. So, you know, so I grew up where it was like, you're going to get you're going to get it done. I mean, you you just are. And I would work until I was sick. I remember crawling on my belly once I had food poisoning and I crawled onto the plane because we, pitch, pitches are the big moments in advertising where sometimes you spend a million dollars, maybe more to win over a new client while well, I could not go. So I just crawled on my belly under the plate. And so there are people of my generation that are wondering why the up and covers are not crawling on their belly to get on the plane when they have food poisoning. And so they think they're slackers and they're not working hard. And I think this is a great example of the coach approach to leadership. I think we just need to start asking instead of telling. I think we need to be grateful. We get to be grateful that maybe they're teaching us that self-care is important. I think that employees having more control and more empowerment might actually be a good thing. I don't want someone working for me because I said so or they're scared. I want them to want to be there. And I also believe that anyone is coachable and trainable. I don't care what generation, I don't care how old they are. What I know for sure is that every human being does want to hold themselves accountable. If they aren't, I want us to go into a quest and ask all the questions necessary to figure out why not. There was a woman who hired me and she said, she happened to be an advertiser. She said, we, we had the pitch rehearsal and Bippity Bop didn't show up, but it's lacquer. And I said, can we find out? You might be right. I don't know, but let's find out. And upon further investigation, this person just didn't even know that anyone needed her there. It's like, I didn't know you cared what I thought. And she also didn't know how it might benefit her career, what her role was. There were a bunch of things that boss person didn't do yet that would have made that person bounce into that room to do the pitch rehearsal. So I just think first, yeah, you could be right. The person could not care. I haven't seen a whole lot of that. People care immensely. So I think having the conversation and asking the question might get you a better outcome. Love that. I love that. Tell us, um, just to take a turn, we have just a couple minutes left. I wanted to hit on a book that you helped co-write called Peak Performance. Tell us a little bit about Peak Performance And guys, for those of you listening, it's available on Amazon. It's called Peak Performance Mindset Tools for Entrepreneurs. So tell us a little bit about your part in that and what we can expect from the book. Yeah, sure. So I was fortunate to work with about 25 other entrepreneurs who each owned a chapter. And we just so what's great about the book, I I think, is that you're dealing with 25 people in their their area of excellence. So it's like 25 books. And so we all came together and I met some wonderful leaders. I love meeting new people. I love people who, uh, working with people that are trying to change the world, make it better, add more good, help people pull out the very best of themselves. And each chapter, I think, does that. I am, what I drafted is deeply connected to my why and where we started this conversation, which is, you know, when I ask, would you notice next time you ask someone how they're doing, you're going to get usually one of two answers, fine, which is a four-letter word, or busy, which is another four-letter word. I want us to be better than busy. I want us to have a better answer than busy when somebody asks you how you're doing. And so my chapter was designed to help you do that in four parts by getting real clear about your priorities, about saying no masterfully, unapologetically. If you don't know why you're here, I don't just mean you all of us, right? If we don't know why we're here, then I don't know what to say yes and no to. I don't even know what a good day looks like. 
And so we get to get real disciplined and intentional with our time. And yeah, so I was so pleased to write it. I'm currently working on some signature talks uh, from the book because I just, it can be one person at a time, in person, virtually, hopefully big groups, but I really want people to live on purpose instead of by accident, by being better than busy. I love that. That is a great quote. Uh, Is there anything we didn't talk about that you would like our listeners to know about? Yes. Uh, Things, I'm sure. Lots of things. I'm just going to give them one, right? Because I think we get better one step at a time. Can you practice that thing we talked about before, progress, not perfection? All coming from the mindset. I'm going to let you off the hook on something. You are not perfect. Right? There's actually no such thing. And if it's what you're chasing, you're going to be so tired before you ever go do the big thing. And you're not going to grow. You're not going to get better. You won't get to have that wonderful, exhilarating experience of being a kid on the playground who's just trying stuff. Right? Some of it's going to work. Some of it isn't. You are not perfect. And that is the very good news I want to share with you today. So practice progress, not perfection, and some self-compassion for yourself. The, the bigger the risk you're taking, and I hope they're massive, the more you're going to fail. That's just the way that ratio works. And so be compassionate with yourselves because if you're failing a lot, that means you're trying a lot. And I think you're amazing. I love that. I can't think of a better way to wrap up the podcast. If any of our listeners want to get in touch with you to learn more about the work that you do, what's the best place for them to find you and get connected? Yeah, um, wonderful. As I said before, we at Strong Training and Coaching, we love the work that we do and we always are looking for opportunities to do more of it. So it's markstrongcoaching.com. It's myself and about 20 other coaches who are some of the most lovely and powerful humans that I've ever known. Perfect. And for those of you who are listening, we will also link that for you in the show notes. This has been the Legacy Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Dan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. And our guest today was Maureen Falvey. Maureen, thank you so, so much for joining us. This was incredible. It was my pleasure. I wish you both a great rest of the day and all of your listeners too. Thank you. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.